Welcome back to another week of Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to talk about all of the important affairs this week in the sport of boxing. My name is Wilton Henry, and I'm accompanied by Lavelle Jackson. Danny is going to be out this week. We got, you know, a slew of topics to talk about. We got the fight card that took place over the weekend in the UK. We got uh, a few other fights that we're going to discuss, as well as uh, prediction of a fight that's going to take place next week. Um, like I said, Danny's out. So, Vail, since he's not here, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, you know, and get your predictions on that big game, you know, that's that's coming up. You know, by the time this airs, the fight, I mean, uh, the, the game would have already have taken place. But, you know, we don't have to put this on record because I think it, it wouldn't be fair, you know, for me to go ahead and, you know, boost my record even higher over the others, especially while Danny's gone. You know, it would be unfair for him, you know, to take that another L. Um, but what what do you think, man? What, what do you think is going to take is going to happen? You know, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, well, I'm not particularly a football guy, so like I t I, t I take uh, Floyd's advice when he told Jim Lampley to to stick to commentating. You know, I, I stick to box podcast. But that said. Um, because I'm a Detroit Lions fan, you know, um, I, I saw what Matthew Stafford went through, you know, uh, over the years. And I think he, you know, he, he deserves a chance to be here, be there, and I'll be rooting for him. So I, I'm shooting for the Rams to win. I think they can pull it off. Uh, that said, you know, if the Bengals do win this, then then I, I'll be a, a, a lifelong Simpsons fan because they predict that the Cincinnati would beat LA in the Super Bowl like 34 to 31. I think that was the score they put out there. <laughs> who was that? Who did that? Who said that? Uh the Simpsons. You know, they, they predict oh. a lot of stuff. They say they put a lot of stuff out there and it, it gets a little spooky because you're like, you're like, you see, I see a lot of stuff that's like comes true. Mm -hmm. And they put it out there as jokes, like, you know, Donald Trump being president. You know, <laughs> they predicted that. Uh so, but, but that's it. I'm still for the for the Rams to pull it off, and and that's my, you know, I, I'm be the a Rams fan for a day, then I'll be back to my my Lions. Gotcha, gotcha. So my prediction is, if I if I had to predict, you know, I don't have a dog in a fight, Packer fan, and you know, and then I'm just a fan of talent. So after the pack went out, I was kind of rooting for my homeboy. You know, then my homeboy got upset against the Bengals. And so um, and there's other other teams that I root for, like Lamar Jackson. I'm a fan of, of him, um, as well as the Baltimore Ravens. And there's a few other teams, you know, that, that I, I kind of support if I'm not cheering for the Packers. But in this situation, I'm just going for the underdog. You know, it's good to see some new blood in the Super Bowl, you know, and I think my prediction is this, because the Super Bowl is a lot of times is storylines and Whatever storyline that they want to, you know, end up being victorious, that's kind of who they lean towards when it comes to certain calls. And some of those calls, you know, they happen at, at inopportune times if you're rooting for certain teams, you know. So I think that this year I'm thinking the storyline is more so on Burl. You know, they, 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 they're looking for a new Tom Brady, you know, and it's a perfect opportunity Tom Brady retired, you know, to bring in him and, you know, he'll be the face of football for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. So I'm thinking that that's what's going to take place. But at the end of the day, 
I would love to see a team like Cincinnati win the Super Bowl because it's just, you know, not the typical type team that you see, you know, hoisting the Lombardi trophy. So that's what I'm going with. But enough of that. Uh, let's go ahead and get off into these boxing topics, man. What did you think last night about the Miracle Man? You know, he was facing John Ryder out there in the UK. What did you think about the fight? Did you think it was controversial? Who did you think actually won the fight? Yeah, I checked this fight out. Um, and I did think it was a little bit of controversy going on there. And, and I'll explain some of my reasons why. But uh, we have, you know, Daniel, the Miracle Man Jacobs, who I've always been a big fan of. Even as a, a, a prospect, I saw him on, you know, uh, Golden Boy cards back in like maybe t- around 2008, 2009. Uh, he's coming in this fight 37 and 3 with 30 knockouts, uh, coming off his uh, win over Gabriel Rosado, which was a very, very close fight that many had Rosado winning. Uh, but he also has the, these close losses to. Uh, Gennady Golovkin and, and Canelo Alvarez, which he did very, very well again. And, and he did stop Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I, I credit him for actually putting the nail in the, co- the coffin of the career of Chavez Jr. Um, so he's going against uh, John Ryder. Uh, this is a WBA eliminator. So I guess the winner will be in line for a, a, a WBA title shot at 168, which uh, I, I think the super champions Canelo uh, we'll talk about that later, but we're going against John Ryder. He has these uh, these close losses to uh, Callum Smith and uh, Rocky Fielding uh, that, that that many people think he was really into the fight and he could have won some of those. Now, when this fight came off, it was interesting because uh, I think the first six rounds, I was like, this fight is an easy fight for, you know, Jacob, not easy as far as he, he just dominating, but as far as. Uh, him doing fighting his fight and doing what he wanted to do, you know, he he pretty much was edging a writer pretty much the, the the first six rounds. It wasn't really, in my opinion, it wasn't until maybe the seventh round where Ryder really came on and, and you know he he caught um, Jacobs in some exchanges, which which you know got the crowd roaring. But I, I don't think Jacobs was as hurt as, as you know they were you know the announcers were saying it or as the crowd was saying. Uh, I think Danny Jacobs, he's one of those fighters that has a, you know, he has this body language about him, like when he's in fights, that he always looked vulnerable. Um, and, and I think that stems from that, that, that knockout loss to Parag, but that was so, so, so long ago. Um, and, and, and since then, he's proven to be a durable cat. You know, I mean, he's been in there with, you know, uh, Golovkin and Canelo. Um, and if you see what Canelo is doing right now, um, it, it's even more impressive that that Jacobs Jacobs actually did a lot better than you know uh, a, a Caleb Plant or either the, the other guys that that uh, Canelo's been fighting. So uh, Jacobs, you know, he 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 utilized his jab, and it was interesting because I, I felt like in the UK he was fighting a UK style fight and still winning for the first you know six to seven rounds, and then Ryder he started coming on. Uh, I gave Ryder, I believe it was seven, eight, and, and, and I think seven, eight, nine, and I think the tenth round. But I also gave uh, I gave Jacobs the last two rounds. So my my score was one sixteen, one twelve. I thought that even though Ryder won his rounds more stronger, I think the rounds that Jacob edged more rounds uh, from a numerical standpoint. Uh, and even British fans thought a lot of British fans thought that Jacobs actually won this fight. Um, 
so I, I do think it was a, a, a bit of a, a, a robbery in a, in a way. I mean, it was a close fight, but I don't see uh, a way that Ryder won more rounds than, than, than Jacobs, unless you were giving him, you know, some of those, those rounds that Jacobs was edging in the beginning, which I don't see that Ryder did too much to, to, to really get those rounds. So what was your thoughts on it, Will? Yeah, first off, I want to give a shout out to me. <laughs> you know, I, I predicted this fight to a T. Um, I had Ryder, you know, inking out a decision, but I thought it was the other way around. I thought that the controversy was going to come if Jacobs was going to get the victory because Ryder typically is someone who gets the short end of the stick when he outworks his opponent. And for whatever reason, four or five times in his career, no, about four times in his career, that was the case where, you know, you can actually make a strong case for him, you know, being victorious. And you mentioned like the Callum Smith fight, but there was a few other times I saw him face some guys and I was like, how did the other guy get the victory? You know, it seemed like in this case that they wanted to uh, make up for some of the bad decisions that he lost in the past. But, you know, before I even, you know, answer your question, I do want to, Shout out Danny Jacobs, man, um, uh, seriously, because I just always respected, you know, Danny Jacobs, what he brought to the table, um, just being a classy guy, you know, seeing him, we went to, and I think that was the fight that I went out there to see Andre Berto against um, Sean Porter, and we saw Danny Jacobs, he was up there with a few people, it was like right after the Peter Quillen fight, and big dude though you know what i mean he was he was at the at the time he was campaigning as a middleweight but at the same time he's really um big but at the same time he's just how classy he was you know being real personable shaking hands with people who can get close to him and stuff like that just real solid you know what i mean and then also coming back from you know cancer you know he was diagnosed with cancer in 2011 and some of his doctors were saying that he may not even be able to walk again, let alone box. And for him to overcome that and, you know, actually become champion again, winning two belts in the middleweight division, then also having an impressive first round victory against Peter Quillen. I just want to, you know, send a shout out to the Miracle Man. Like I say, he's one of my favorite fighters. Now in this one, I thought that it was, it was um, pretty bad, you know, as far as the judging was concerned, because I I, I could have sworn Jacobs won the first six rounds. And like you said, it wasn't even close. It was like Ryder, he was having a tough time finding his range. And he looked like he was kind of timid because he didn't want to taste some of those right hands because Jacobs was lining them up for the right hand. And, you know, he was catching them a few times, but the fact that he, he, he sensed that power and he just didn't want to rush up in there. And the second half of the fight, here, here's the thing. I think Jacobs won the first six rounds and he won maybe two, one or two of the rounds in the latter part of the fight. It's just that Ryder, he won his rounds more clearly. He won his rounds more definitively. But at the end of the day, he didn't knock Jacobs down. He had him in trouble I want to say that was the eighth round, but it seemed like he shot his low too. So by the time he got to like to the latter part of the ninth, Jacobs, him and Jacobs, they were like really fatigued and they really couldn't hurt each other anymore because they kind of wore themselves out. Jacobs, because he was just doing so much work in the early rounds. And then 
rider with the onslaught that he had in like the latter part of the seventh and then an eighth round he really took over i thought jacobs made a mistake i don't think jacobs necessarily when he was switching to southpaw i don't think he necessarily had to do that because it seemed like when he did that he was giving Ryder an opportunity to get back into the fight because he started to land some of those short right hands and then he ended up shaking them up in one of those clinches and that's how he ended up getting hurt um but yeah i i, I could have sworn it was either eight four seven five at the if you're being very generous to um john Ryder. and so yeah that's how i saw the fight it had to be either eight four seven five but jacobs definitely did not lose that fight so yeah that's all i have you got anything else on that match yeah um shout out to, to danny jacobs it's kind of yeah, like you said he's a he's a very uh, impressionable and liking likable guy he's very inspirational i remember when he was going through his his uh health bout i believe it was with cancer and in, in his back or a tumor in his back uh where he had removed which was pretty much could have been career ending and to see him come back from from that was very you know a high point just for boxing in general and i wish and this is one of the reasons why I wish boxing was more uh, was bigger than it than it than, than it is currently, because a guy like him, you know, uh, the casual fan may not know who he is, uh, but if boxing was big, they would they 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 probably would have more of a, uh, a he would have more of a platform to to show his you know his story because I think his story is is, is very. Um, I think, it, I think his story is one of the, the, the important stories that can be told at this time, you know, um, seeing him fight through that uh, and having a, pretty much a, 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 a better second half of his career, you know, um, and, and, you know, he's, he's about, what, 34, 35. Uh, and moving forward, it's interesting, you know, what we'll see from him. But uh, that goes into our next topic. Like, what do you see happening with those two fighters? Like, what, what do you see John Ryder going and, and what do you see next for uh, Danny Jacobs? Well, I'm going to make this short, uh, short, at least I think it's going to be short. Now, as far as the guy who was declared winner, John Ryder, obviously, you know, that was for the WBA eliminator. So he's right in line for a matchup with Canelo if Canelo chooses to come back down to 168. And some people are saying that that's probably, you know, something that Canelo might entertain, you know, having an opportunity to get to fight against somebody who, you know, a less than stellar opponent, you know, he's kind of a four man version of Canelo to a certain degree, but, you know, Canelo would get him out of there, but that would be a good payday for Ryder, you know, to get somebody like that, you know, as he, rides off into the sunset, you know, himself, because that was his last shot. You know, if, had he not beaten or gotten a decision against Jacobs, it wasn't much left for him to attempt to do because he's never beat anybody um, the caliber of, of Danny Jacobs, and that put him in position to get the number one spot. Now, if Canelo doesn't come back, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, because you got David Morrell is – the WBA regular champion, I believe. Like they got so many belts out there, but he's like six and zero with five KOs. And it's interesting how did he end up getting that belt out of all of those guys at super middleweight? <laughs> he ends up with the belt um, that he got when he beat 
Alantes, I want to say Alantes Fox, that was a pretty impressive fourth round knockout that he had. Um, but at the same time, he's really good for somebody that's 6-0 with five KOs. But at the same time, he's still so green. You know, even in that Fox fight, his offense was his defense. And again, somebody that's only 6-0 with five KOs, he has time to work on his defense, but at this time, do you really want to push him? I mean, I guess you can't, he's the WBA champion. So, I mean, what can you do? Or at least the interim or regular champion, however they call it, you know, with the WBA. So that could be a fight if Canelo doesn't come back to 168, which is looking like he's going to face somebody in the 175 pound weight class, which we will talk about um, in one of our up and coming topics. So it could be that. I think that that's a likely matchup. You have guys like, um, who else is in? It's two guys that's like one and two. I, I've, I've never heard of those guys before. And then you got Darrell. Um, so it all depends on who the WBA is going to put him against in order to fight for either the vacant title or they're going to put him and Morrell together for um you know, the regular championship, however that goes, they'll have the silver championship, gold championship, however, the w, there's too many belts out there, man, but he'll fight one of those guys if Canelo doesn't uh, come back. Now, for him, hopefully he'll be able to fight somebody, another name opponent, which will give him an opportunity, you know, to maximize a good payday. And so that's the direction that he's going to go. I doubt, unless they mandate it, I doubt that he'll give uh, Jacobs a rematch, but that's what I would like to see, you know, and then speaking of Daniel Jacobs, that's what I hope for him. I hope that the WBA, they mandate a rematch and that he can go ahead and get some good, get back that way. Um, also for Jacobs, if he doesn't get the rematch, I saw how he stormed out of the ring. He was really upset, you know, in his defeat, which, you know, he very well should have been. Um, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of getting getting a little, I would say worried because he really doesn't take that much punishment in his fights, even though he got hurt a couple times in this one. But, I mean, he's had a, a very illustrious career, you know, based on the circumstance that he had to go through, you know, like I say, as far as um, coming back from cancer and the Pierrot fight and whatnot, he's had a really stellar career. So personally, just as a fan, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing the Miracle Man hang him up because he is 35 years of age and it took a lot out of him yesterday or it took a lot for him yesterday to get what I thought was a victory against Ryder. But to me, Ryder is probably seven, eight best fighter in the weight class. And we start looking at guys like who he would have to go through, like uh, Benavidez. Um, I think at this point, like plant and guys like that, they just have too much left in the tank, you know, for old Danny Jacobs. But, you know, who knows? He's still talented. He's still talented. But I just think that against those guys, they're going to be a little too, um, have a little bit too much left. And then also, whoever he fights, he's going to have those moments after like the seventh, eighth round where he's going to tire and fatigue and then he might be a sitting target for those dudes because Ryder almost got him out of there in that eighth round. And if he was much, you know, if he had more power, if he was more of a power puncher, then they could have ended bad. But, you know, the miracle man has the guts and heart and determination. So he fought through it. 
but against one of those younger guys, it might spell trouble. So that's what I think is going to happen for both guys. Uh, what about you? What do you think? Well, it's, it's more of a clear direction from what I see for John Ryder. I think if they, if they, if they don't have a rematch between him and Jacobs, which I think that should happen, I'm not sure if it will, I think they, they probably are going to try to put Ryder in there with David Morrell. Um, yeah, like you said, David Morrell is 6-0 and and, and with five KOs, and he's pretty green. But I think he was he has moved fast because they see something in him. He has, uh, uh, I guess, his, his, his amateur pedigree is top-notch, and, and they think he has what it takes. Um, so I can see them putting uh, John Ryder. I can see them putting John Ryder in there with David Morrell for the WBA regular title. But also, I, I can see um, them trying to put uh, if if he doesn't get if John Ryder doesn't get a, a, a WBA title shot, or if uh, Canelo doesn't keep that WBA super champion, and all of a sudden they have the you know, of course, like your point is too many belts. I'm pretty sure they're going to end up with a this is the real WBA title, and have I could see them having John Ryder and Demetrius. Andrade fight for it. I can see that happen too for 168. We know uh, Andrade is chasing the, you know, the Canelo payday, uh, and he's trying to move up to 168 and campaign there. And I can see that being, uh, um, I can see the zone doing that for him. Um, as far as Danny Jacobs, um, if he doesn't get that rematch, I'm not sure where I would want him to go uh, because at this point, uh, he is on a downsized career. He's 35. Uh, he, and I'm not sure if he's like totally, he's not totally a shot fighter where he should, he can hang him up. I mean, if you want to go out and just hang him up, he can uh, not take any further punishment, but he does, you know, seem like he has, has something left that he can still make a, a, a few more bucks. Um, and one thing that, that he can do that I wouldn't want for him. I mean, he can play a opponent to just about anybody. Cause he's, he's a, a, a big name. He's highly, uh, he was highly regarded. I see them, you know, being a big name for, you know, the Benavidez, the, the Caleb Plants and all that. Uh, and Or if they want to put him in there with a, a, a Terrell Gashua or someone like that, I can see that also. Um, but at this point, um, really is up to Danny Jacobs. I thought that was a hard loss to take. Uh, it's even harder than, like, if he was just to get knocked out because then it's more definitive that, that he can probably hang him up. But at this point, it's like, it was basically something that was just taken from him that he deserved. Uh, and now he has to, you know, um, be further down the rankings when he doesn't really deserve that. So what I would want for Danny Jacobs is for him to get that rematch and rewrite that wrong. Um, and if he loses that fight, then I, I'm more comfortable. If he loses a rematch against John Ryder, I'm, I, then I'll be more comfortable with him uh, hanging, it, hanging it up. Well, it's a couple of things. Real to, in all honesty, truly, I wish that they would go back and say, you know what, we made a mistake. We declared the wrong winner because at his age, you know, that's another training camp. That's another, you know, certain amount of months that's going to go by. Then you got where he's going to have to go another certain amount of months, another training camp to go to fight for the belt. So I wish that's what they would do. Not, you know, that's highly unlikely. Um, the other thing that could be a possibility is that we got my main man, Jamal, who just got into trouble. You know, he has 
some allegations in terms of an assault that took place, a felony assault. Um, that's neither here nor there as far as that. I don't, you know, don't know the details. But he's going to be, he was looking to come up to fight Canelo. Now, if he want to test the waters at 168, they got a little history with one another. So that would be interesting as well. And now I think that would be somebody that Jacobs could get up for. And I also think that that's a very good matchup because Jacobs is skilled, you know, throughout the years, his amateur pedigree, that's what allows him to be very, very hard for some of those guys to beat because skill-wise yesterday, he was superior to Ryder by far you know, before fatigue and things like that kicked in. But I think that he will pose a whole bunch of threats for a guy like Charlo too, as long as he's not, um, you know, like I say, once those middle rounds hit, then it could, you know, things could go into the younger man's direction. But at the same time, he has enough experience too to be able to get through some of those shaky moments. So that would be interesting also if they decide to collide. You got anything else on that, Bill? No, sir. Well, also yesterday you had, in the UK, some people say that this fight was controversial. It was, it was a fight on the undercard. You had Felix Cash, um, undefeated fighter, uh, going against Magomed uh, Madaev. Uh, what did you think about that fight? Yeah, I checked it, that fight out. Uh, I'm not sure if it, it was controversial or not. I mean, a lot of people thought it was, and a lot of people thought that uh, Madaev uh, edged it. Um, I didn't really score the fight, um, if I can only speak from what I saw. Uh, you know, during this fight, you know, Cash was, he started off getting off first, and he was using his jab, and he was staying at the mid-range. And Madaev, he had trouble really trying to to, to – Get that, get that, get them paws on uh, Cash, um, and I think around the seven, the second round, I think that's when Madaev caught. Uh, and and, and Madaev, then most of the fight was trying to time Cash, and sometimes he he was successful, and sometimes I thought that he waited too much, you know, for that counter. I mean, even before that that that, that left hook that put Madaev down in the second, I mean, that put Cash down in the second round. Uh, you could see Madaev trying to catch. Uh, cash with that that left hook and I think maybe about 20 seconds before you put him down you caught him with that hook and then you know cash pretty much is doing the same thing you know throwing his jabs and, and jab right and stuff like that and fighting at mid-range and Madai caught you know cash again with that left hook and that was what put him down in, the, in that second round um, and cash you know he seemed a little bit hurt and Madai was trying to you know finish him off but he was I think he, in in the trying to, to finish that finish uh cash off he was smothering his his punches um and even though he was getting leather through there i think he would have been better if he would have you know stepped to the you know back a little bit back to the the mid-range so so some of those punches can get through uh cleaner on uh felix cash so um once uh cash made it out that second round uh i think he regrouped and it was the same thing over and over again where Cash was pretty much keeping Madaev in 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 the uh, in the mid range, and you know using his jab and and, and throwing punches and stuff like that. And, and this went on for many many rounds, and it was a pretty decent scrap. It had some.
decent exchange, but I just don't think that Madaf was doing enough in those exchanges to really win those rounds. Uh, so he started heating up further in, I, th- I believe, the, the later rounds, which is nine or 10. Um, and you can see Cash kind of, you know, being lulled to sleep a little bit because Cash settled into the rhythm and he kept just doing the same rhythm. And when you, when you, even if you're winning a fight and you have the same rhythm over and over again, you're given uh, opportunity for someone like Madaf to, to really get those counters off. Uh, and then he caught um, uh, Cash again with a right hand in, in, the, in the 10th round. I think it was the last round. Uh, it was a flash knock, knockdown, but you can see that Cash was still kind of stunned at when he got up because Madaf pretty much, you know, took that round. Um, but that said, I think Madaya only really he clearly won the rounds that he put Cash down in. I don't think he was winning any more rounds than that. Uh, and I think sometimes when people watch this fight and think Madaya actually won it, I think it's almost like they're doing the same thing that happened in the fight we just spoke about, whether where someone gets a, a, a good flurry, a good they have a good point in a, in a round where they have an opponent hurt and it has this carryover effect where in the next round, when the guy that was hurt just edges that round, you give it to the other guy because, because he's just edging that round. He's just, you know, getting back into it. But that's what, what, what uh, Cash was doing. He was pretty much getting back in the, you know, getting back, you know, his, his win back and getting the, 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 the rhythm back. Um, so I, I do think Cash actually won this fight. Um, I think the knockdowns is what made the fight closer, but I don't think it was, uh, you know, I don't think, I, don't, I didn't see it as a controversial fight, actually. Uh, do you have any thoughts on it? I didn't want to waste my time watching these UK wankers. <laughs> no, I, I, I caught some of the uh, highlights from the fight. I didn't see it when it first um came on on the undercard of the Jacobs Ryder fight. So I came back early this morning and I reviewed the highlights, but just based on what I saw, I thought, and again, I didn't see each round, but that's that's what it appeared just based on the highlights. But you can't really judge a fight based on the highlights because you don't know what was taken out of the highlights. But what I did see, it did appear that um, Cash was winning every other part of the fight outside of the times that he got tagged. Um, but then also he had a point deducted for low blows too. So I didn't do the math mathematically, you know, that's a lot to overcome, you know, because that's 10, at least 10, eight on two rounds. And then I don't know if the other guy was winning the round that he got caught with the low blow and they deducted a point. And so that's that's the sketchiness part of the fight. But it's just based on what I saw from the guys. I don't see, again, you know, I talk down on the UK sometimes. The UK has some really good fighters, man. But they have a lot of fighters. And some of them, I call them English muffins. I think that they kind of um, are beside themselves, you know. And, you know, they kind of like cowboy fans. You know, I, I equate them to being, they just like, if they have a guy, they're, and they support them, then they're going to be blinded by what it is that they see in some of the fighters that they have. You know, shout out to them for the support, the unconditional love that they have for, you know, their brethren. You know, I, I commend them for that. But these guys, I just don't see the, 
where they can go. You know what I mean? Like what, what level can they actually get to outside of being one of the, a good British level, UK level type uh, fighter. And even then, I don't even know how, how they can go there. Because if you get somebody, what's my man name? Um, his name starts with an A. He, he starts Josh, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the one Josh out there. Um, you know, I'm talking about the 147 pound guy. He, he, uh, he kind of licks his chops at those UK dudes. And he, you know, anytime that they have one of, one of the fighters that they have that they think, um, Avenesian. So if any one of those guys fight an Avenesian level type guy, they're not going to be able to overcome that type of fighter who has that type of grit, that type of experience, that type of know-how. I don't see them getting past that level. But there was an entertaining fight. You know, these guys gave it all that they had. And, you know, I shot, shout out to them for that. But at the same time, I really didn't feel it. After I watched like the first round, I was like, I knew where they stood in terms of talent level. Um, but, you know, shout out to Cash, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll be able to keep his his guards up, you know, not get clipped so much, you know, work on the things that he's deficient at. But I just think that it's, it's certain things that he's missing. Um, but, you know, who am I to say? You got anything else on those fellas? No, sir. All right, so there's been reports that uh, Canelo Alvarez, uh, the 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 pound for pound king, is on is in talks for a two fight deal with uh, Eddie Hearn to fight Dmitry Bivol and uh, Gennady Golovkin. And I and my thoughts are I think that the Bivol fight is probably in May, and then, and the Triple G fight is probably in September. Uh, and and, and in uh, relation to those holidays. So what are your thoughts on that, Will? I think it's an um, ambitious, you know, move by Canelo, more so the Bibble fight. I would prefer for him to face the Charlo, myself, and then Triple G. But I think as far as competition, I think this is probably more competitive. But at the same time, I don't know if non-hardcore boxing fans are going to know that Canelo is really putting a lot on the line facing a 175-pound champion who's as skilled as Dimitri Bivol because Bivol has very nice movement. He has um, crisp punching um, ability, not necessarily power, but he has he th throws nice crisp shots. And he's defensively sound. Now, the, his last fight that he had against Umar Salomon, I saw some chinks in his defense. But then as far as the chinks that I saw, he surprised me with how solid of a chin that he has because Salomon was hitting him on a, a few occasions with some really big right hands. That's a really big guy that he was facing. And he never blinked. He just kept, you know, doing his thing. But it was just a few times that you know he was getting caught with some right hands now think about that the thing about that is i'm sure if that guy is able to land those right hands on him although it was far and few in between i'm sure canelo's licking his chops at the opportunity you know with his two-fisted attack to be able to land some shots on bill but that's going to be an interesting fight they really match up interestingly because bill was six foot he has a 72 inch reach he has a um amateur background 
you know, and a lot of people say Canelo has trouble against guys that can move, and he definitely can move, got a nice jab. And so that's going to be interesting because, as you say, the fight would take place in May, and he's already has a deal that he set up the fight in September. So he's kind of not, not necessarily looking past him, but he's expecting the victory in order to set up the Triple G match three. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to get to the Triple G fight without an L, you know what I mean? Because that is a, a really good matchup. But I was saying the Charlo fight probably would have been better, even though this is not set in stone. The Charlo fight would be better because it's naysayers. He can go ahead and knock that out um, out of the way, you know, shut them up. And then also it probably would be just as lucrative or even more lucrative to take on Charlo. Now, I don't know if they're setting this up because of the zone type thing, if that's the um, if that's what they're going to fight, the promotional banner, if they're using zone, and that's the reason why they're going with Bilbo as opposed to a Charlo. But again, I would like for him to get that fight because I think that not only would he win, I think he would win in devastating fashion. I think it would be a great fight, and he would even get more fans to support him, you know, taking out somebody more recognizable in Jamal Charlo. But again, Jamarlo has his legal issues, so that might play a factor as well. Now, the Triple G fight, I think he's going to dust old Triple G off. You know, Triple G, he's only had three fights in the last four years. And his last fight against Camille Sheremeta, you know, he won by seventh round TKO. But I just didn't really see anything spectacular about triple g you know in that fight and then he's going to be coming off another long layoff so you got to think about this triple g is it more so that he's going to be preserved and he's going to you know have a lot left in the tank or is he going to be rusty and washed up because he hasn't fought and he's 39 years of age so and canelo with the amount of tough fights that he's been facing and and and, and fighting in He's just like on top of his game. So I think that this is going to be a fight in September that's going to be Triple G's last hurrah. Like this is going to be the last time you see him in the ring. He's fighting Canelo's at the peak of his powers. He'll be too much. But, you know, to a certain degree, I like it. I like it from a competitive standpoint in terms of the Bivol fight. And then I think after you fight somebody that tough, you deserve somebody um that's a little bit of a lighter touch but at the same time the masses are going to be thinking that this is a huge event and they're going to be thinking that um it's more competitive you know going into it than it actually is because triple g is on the downside and canelo is you know at the peak of his power so like i said you know i like it you know what i mean but at the same time i just wish that uh, charlo was a part of this um package deal but what about you? What do you think about this uh, potential fight plan of Triple, not Triple G, of Canelo to face Bilbo and Triple G in 2022? Yeah, as you said, yeah, it's not totally in stone, but they're in talks for it. And I think, yeah, it's, the, it's really a the zone deal uh, through Eddie Hearn. Uh, and I, I do think it's, it's more of a power play for, you know, Eddie Hearn versus, you know, uh, PBC. And I think if you're looking at it from a money standpoint, well, I, I, I agree that, that, that Charlo should have been in that mix, but I think with PBC, it would have been a Charlo and maybe a David Benavidez 
uh, package deal. And, I, and I, I'm not 100 sure of this, but this is just my thoughts is that maybe there was a, maybe Canelo was looking for a two fight deal. And cause I know, I remember Charlo being, you know, touted as the next opponent. I remember, I remember that not too long ago being that, that they were looking at him as the next opponent. So I think that might've been a, a package deal with him and maybe David Benavidez and Dimitri Bivol and uh, the Triple G fight probably sounds more attractive to Canelo or his peoples, but it's not set in stone. It can still go either way. But going to the fight with Dimitri Bivol, I think, uh, as you said, Bivol does have uh, great movement. You know, he moves around very, very well in the ring. Uh, he has decent uh, fundamentals. There's been plenty of fights where he received a lot of criticism for not really stepping on the gas and not showing any power. Uh, you know, because he does have power, it just hasn't he hasn't shown it uh, in recent fights, and I think that's unfair because this is you know this is boxing is not all just hurt a guy, and you don't have to be able to hurt a guy just to beat a guy, you know. Um, and I think Dimitri in some spots he can be a, a a little bit of a spoiler because you know he does move and box a lot, and as you know, Canelo does you know used to struggle with movers a little bit, and also Canelo used to struggle with stamina. But I do think Canelo is going to bring his pressure, and I think um, Canelo will have a speed advantage, and I think that will be key. But I do think this fight um, may take a little bit out of him. You know, just, you know, not, not saying that he's going to get beat up or anything in this fight. I think what it is is we have this many tough fights. I think they're going to, you know, the fighter starts cooling off. So by the time he fights a Triple G, I think that fight is still going to be a close fight. Uh, even though Triple G is, is a little bit older, he's been resting. Um, and, and also, I, I, I think from a style-wise standpoint, you know, um, his jab is, 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 has always given uh, Canelo some trouble. And, and in return, Canelo's counterpunches have, have given Triple G some trouble. Uh, so I still, for some reason, I still think that that, that fight is still going to be a close fight that Canelo may edge. Because uh, when we look at the history in the first fight, it was a, a draw that I thought that, you know, Triple G won. And the second fight, I thought uh, that Canelo rightfully won, you know, the second fight. Uh, so to me, they're kind of like one and one. And of course, Canelo has seemed to have, have gotten better until then. But uh, this, this, this fight just gives me a, a little bit of uh, Pacquiao Marquez vibes to it, you know, because I remember there was a, there was a time period when, Pacquiao was on that hot street and, uh, you know, he cooled off a little bit when he got to Timothy Bradley. And I think Dimitri Bivol might be, a, you know, that Timothy Bradley, even though Bivol might not get that victory over him. Um, and, and also, you know, we, we got to look at, you know, the drug testing in this fight. You know, if, if, if Canelo is being drug tested by Vada or, or uh, the, 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 the drug testing agency, I think it'll be I think that fight would be closer than, you know, his last fight with Triple G, where where between the first and second fight, uh, he tested positive for clenbuterol, um, which they use for, you know, asthma, you know, so it, he was working on his stamina. So uh, those are my thoughts. I I mean, I, I'm going to tune in for both fights. I would still like a Charlo Benavidez matchup a lot better. I like that package a little bit better. And I think it was Eddie Hearn trying to, do his checkmate on on PBC on his Canelo fights and put his stamp on there before PBC did it. Uh, but uh, but 
as you said, I I I, I thought I think Charles should have been in that mix because now uh, I'm I'm not sure that's a whole nother subject of what would happen with Charlo now and what I, who would I want to see him against, but who knows? Well, for me, I think uh, I would like to see Charlo just against a competitive fight. But again, for me personally, I would like to see him fight against Canelo um, because I think that that was sort of a score between a lot of, like I say, Canelo naysayers. But if I was Canelo, I would flip it. Say, give me triple G first. Let me go ahead and dust this dude off. You know, get him up out of there, you know, put these paws on him, rock his snot box, turn his TV off, you know, and then we can go ahead and move on to the Russian. You know what I'm saying? I don't all that Clem Bruderall and all that type of stuff. He don't need that for no Triple G in 2022. The man has had three fights in four years. He didn't look good against Rose. He didn't look good against Sheremetta. And then Canelo is just going to beat the brakes off of him. You know, sending back to Kazakhstan, wherever it is he's from. You know, we ain't got time to be playing with no Triple G. You got anything else on that? Yeah, all I know is he needed that Clubiteral for that second fight. <laughs> no, they said that he, you know, when they revisited, he did everything that they asked him. He had a little tainted meat, you know, out there in Mexico. You know, <laughs> having, having a little, uh, no, look, no, no, he, he was having a little bit of uh, brisket. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can get my hands on that brisket, you know, so I can, my next, uh, maybe I'll run a marathon next or something. I, I am trying to get that weight up, you know, get the, you know, that deadlift numbers up. Maybe maybe, maybe that some of that meat will help me. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm going to try to research that brisket. Yeah, it ain't tested positive sense, you know, so. We'll yeah, that's, that's why I said, that's why I thought, the, that's why I think this fight might be close because he hadn't tested positive sense. Right, yeah, it's just the positive. He looked good. He beat since then. Who yeah. who was Canelo knocked out? Canelo been beating the brakes off these dudes. No Kambuterol, whatever you want to call that type of stuff. And then you seen, like I say, what Triple G been doing. Let me see. Since Triple G, Canelo has beaten. Oh, I mean, seen what he did to Rocky Fielding. <laughs> you know, Daniel Jacobs. You know, twelve round. He looked better against Jacobs than Triple G did. Then he he whooped on Kovalev. You saw what he did to Kevin Smith arms and everything. And then Yildra, yeah, yeah. you know, then uh, Billy Joe Sanders, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Caleb Plant. So yeah, come yeah, on, man. Yeah, it was just like when Pacquiao was was taking out De La Hoya. He took out Ricky Hatton, took out Cotto. Then he, he was dominating Joshua Clotty and all that. And then mm-hmm. when Marquez came back around, people were like, oh, he might stop Marquez again. And somehow Marquez was struggling with, you know, Juan Diaz, even though he did stop Juan Diaz, he was struggling with Juan Diaz. He was struggling with Michael Casitas, you know, people like that, you know. But I, I, but even then, you can still see that Marquez, you know, had that style that, you know, it was just going to always get Pac out of trouble. <laughs> so I, I kind of see that with, with, you know, Triple G. He's on the downside. He's older. But but in, in a sense, he's, he's also could be preserving himself. And plus, he he wants this fight. You know, I think he wants this fight more than Canelo wants this fight. Not saying Canelo isn't, you know, don't want the fight at all, or he's ducking Triple G, or don't want to fight Triple G or anything like that. Of course, Canelo want nothing nothing more than than the dust Triple G off. But at the same time, I think there's it's almost a grudge match where I think Golovkin is really probably <laughs> been focused on Canelo the whole time. Like I'm gonna get this guy. He may have. The only thing, and I don't want to, you know, uh, belabor, you know, when it comes to this topic, but the only thing that I'll push back with in the comparison between 
Marquez, Pacquiao, Canelo, Triple G, is that Marquez remained active. Now you can say it what it is that you that that we think that was going through the mind of Pac, Pacquiao's camp in terms of this is the right time to go ahead and dust him off. But at the same time, he was active. Triple G hasn't been active. And I don't see how that's going to play out well for somebody who's 39 years of age, who has been showing a little bit of deterioration in their skill. And so that's the only thing. And so even you can be as motivated as you want to, but once those bones and stuff like that get a little bit more older and it's hard to go ahead and, and, and get them, you know, moving and grooving like they did before, you know, that's that's one thing. You find somebody in their prime, 31 years of age, that's, you know, fine-tuned, been fighting tough opposition, hasn't really took any punishment or anything like that. You know, I don't see how that's going to end well, you know, even as motivated as he, as he, as he possibly can be, you know. But that's just me. Yeah, point taken. You know, I, I, I hear you. I got it. Point yeah. taken. But, you know, this for the, this for the HBN title, he be knowing. Yeah. We're going to name him. I'm not going to say that Triple G going to win. I, I'm saying that this is going to be a close fight. And that's this for the, the, nah. it's going to be Belby knowing title. Nah, I'm yeah, looking forward to this one right here. This is, I'm, I'm going to pop my collar on this one. Let's see, you said, uh, so this is September fight. Yep. <laughs> but I'm gonna pop my collar on that one because see, this is the thing, and, and the reason why Canelo is gonna handle business against Triple G because he know Triple G has been masquerading around all of this time. They talk about he's top twenty five in the last twenty five years. He fighting these dudes, Shara Meta. He's fighting Steve Rose. He's fighting. Willie the worm on roll and he like come on man let me go ahead and, and, and put him out of his misery and then I'm also going to go ahead and you know say nan 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 to all of them people who was you know putting him up there with all these all-time greats and stuff like that you need to stop it and so since you wouldn't stop it I'm gonna put an end to it so shout out to Canelo I already know it's hey, Canelo but Triple G was good enough that Canelo needed clenbuterol for that second that's all I know he was good enough that Canelo saw something was like, I need some of that meat. I'm going to get that meat. I'm going to get that brisket, and then I'm going to beat this brisket. <laughs> no, what it was was Canelo, he wasn't taking them serious, so he eating too much. You know what I'm saying? He eating it all type of Mexican <laughs> uh, buffets and stuff. Uh, yeah, dude, yeah. Yeah, you know, there. Oh, it I, is. I, 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 not to, not, the last thing I'm going to say as far as that, I was out there in Cancun. And I can taste some of that, you know, the meat was a little bit tainted. You know what I'm saying? But I wasn't, ta I wasn't testing. So, you know. It all depends, man. Oh, I got listeners. Google Klebuterol. That's all I want to do. <laughs> all right. So for our next topic, just this past week, Brian Garcia made a huge announcement. Um, he's saying that he's going to part ways with his trainer that he's had since 2018, Eddie Reynosa. And now he's going to hire or his head trainer, uh, Joe Goosen, to go along with his father inside of his corner. Uh, what do you think about the move from Ryan King Rock. I can see this plenty of ways because I'm I'm not a big fan of, of fighters changing trainers a lot, and, and already with Ryan Garcia, you know he 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 has a lot of drama that follows him. You know he he has way too much drama for a fighter that's that young and still up and coming like that who hasn't really, you know, start capturing world titles like that. You know, I mean, yeah, we had guys like. You know, Adrian Broner, who went through, you know, 
it's the same type of you know drama like that but Adrian Broner at least was winning fights he had championships before a lot of that stuff started happening <laughs> so Ryan Garcia you know of course he was you know he was dealing with some mental health issues he took you know a year off after his victory with Luke Campbell um he decided to come back and focus and then there was, was talks about uh putting him in there I, I saw Cruz and then in, all of a sudden, he ends up fighting Emmanuel Tagoe, whoever his name is, which I've never heard of. It's two ways to look at this, because Eddie Reynoso is a serious trainer. You know, only top guys, you know, train with, with Eddie, Eddie Reynoso. Like, he's, you know, of course, there's Canelo, and then there's Oscar Valdez. So Ryan Garcia, like, he was being fast-tracked, and I'm pretty sure Golden Boy was like, he needs somebody like Eddie Reynoso, you know. But my thoughts about it. I'm, I don't. I don't know what goes on in these training camps or anything like that. My thoughts is, when you have a trainer like uh, Eddie Reynoso, who has all these top tier guys with him, and he's serious about what he does, sometimes you know where Ryan Garcia is, um, he's going to be lower tier when you compare him to uh, Oscar Valdez, who is a world champion at 130, and also Canelo, who's the top pound for pound number one guy. So Ryan Garcia's people may not feel like, oh, Reynoso doesn't devote enough time to me. And trainers like Freddie Roach used to go through the same thing. Emmanuel Stewart used to go through the same thing where fighters, they would switch trainers to, to Emmanuel Stewart and, and, and notice that Emmanuel Stewart got all these other fighters they train. And Emmanuel Stewart was the type of, of trainer that, that if you came in this, this gym and you were a top guy, he didn't treat you differently. Like, if he had, you know, a guy that was six and no up and coming guy that he was training to try to bring up, he's still going to focus on that guy. He's going to divide his time. He's not going to just focus on one fighter. So uh, uh, Eddie Reynoso, um, as top tier he is, he's, he's serious about his craft. So I can, my sense is Ryan Garcia's people might feel like Eddie Reynoso doesn't, you know, have this, cannot devote their time, uh, 100% of their time to Ryan Garcia. And Ryan Garcia may need that babysitter type trainer because some trainers is just there to train you some trainer is just there for corner work when that bell ring and some trainer is basically raise you and i think ryan garcia is probably looking for someone to raise them um and joe goes goosen i mean he's an okay trainer you know um of, of course he he's he isn't like i wouldn't call him top tier but he hasn't you know trained world champion like um one of the most impressive victories I saw was when, it, you know, of course, uh, Diego Corrales, rest his, rest his soul, you know, was against Castillo. And, and it was Dan, I mean, it was Goosen basically telling him, like, hey, look, you better get inside and, and, and end this, you know, basically in the 10th round. And for some reason, he clicked something in Diego Corrales. But again, with a fire like Diego Corrales, yeah, Goosen inspired him, but at the same time, you know, Corrales already has that within himself. You know, he's going to fight his heart out. And Goosen was only there to bring it out. So even though Garcia may be looking for some things, with, you know, from Joe Goosen, I think it's, it's still going to have to – Garcia's going to learn that it still has to come from within. Um, but, hey, fair play to him. You know, hopefully it works out for him. <laughs> and it, you know, Joe Goosen, I'm not sure who he trains today. He may have a little more time to devote to uh, Ryan Garcia because, I mean, for now, the only time I've seen Joe Goosen is really commentating. So maybe he does have that time. What are your thoughts on it? It surprised me because Ryan has had 
so much success with Eddie Reynosa, his past five fights. He started with Reynosa, like I said, back in 2018. It was after he had a, a close decision victory over Carlos Morales. Um, he just didn't look, you know, that that good in that fight. And since then, like I say, he has five straight KOs with uh, Eddie Reynosa, and he's been really you know, his trajectory has been like skyrocketing since he's been underneath um, the wings of Eddie Reynoso. So that's the reason why it's, it's surprising to me. But after further review, you know, looking at, into the matter, it could be a couple of reasons why he's making a switch. It doesn't seem like it's any bad blood there. He say he's still got love for Eddie Reynoso. And Ryan is actually opening a gym, which won't be too far away from Eddie Reynoso's gym out there in San Diego, you know? So that could be a reason, right? It could be the fact that since Ryan is opening his own gym and Reynosa, he may not be available, you know, to work out of there because he has his own establishment. And like you said, they have a no nonsense gym that is a private gym, you know what I mean? And, you know, they, 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 they are all about business up in there. And so it could just be the fact that he knows that Reynosa wouldn't be able to come, you know, to that, to his gym in work, you know, because he's, he has other fighters that he's dealing with, Valdez, Canelo, uh, Frank Sanchez, you know, and others. And then uh, the other, on the flip side of it could be, you know, what you mentioned as far as it, he could just lack discipline um, because since they don't play around in that gym, you know, he might feel like he want to do certain things his own way. And that just won't fly when you're dealing with somebody who's as serious as Eddie Reynoso as about his craft. Now, as far as the switch is concerned, I think Eddie Ramos is a throwback to some of the, you know, trainers of yesteryear. You know, he learned his skill from his father, and he's a very disciplined person, you know, when it comes to his craft. And I, I heard him say he just likes guys that listen, you know, and so he can fine-tune their skills. And to me, he's a throwback. Like, when I look at certain trainers, right, and Goosen, to me, doesn't fall under this umbrella of trainers who I would consider some of the all-time greats. Like, you got guys like Eddie Futch, Georgie Benton, Nacho Bernstein, Bernstein. You got Emmanuel Stewart, the Mayweather, Senior and Roger, Freddie Roach, you know, and even guys in, back in the day like Custy Amato. You know, you can see their imprint on their fighters. You know, you can see like the elevation of skill when they have those fighters in their camps. I never saw that with Joe Goosen, you know, the fighters that he's had. You know, he's had some prior pupils. You know, you mentioned Corrales, guys like Michael Nunn. Um, there were a few others that he had in the past that were, you know, really good. He also had Riddick Bow came over there. He had... Um, John Molina, um, Rafael Ruelas, but with him, I never necessarily saw him teach a guy something and add on to something that they have. It was more or less like pushing a guy to do more inside the ring, or it could be the fact that once they go to Joe Goosen, they sometimes he helps them as far as their stamina. Um, they're in better shape or something like that. But as far as like just little small things, I don't see that with Goose. So that's gonna be interesting because Ryan still has a lot of things to work on 
especially defensively. And so I would think that it would be in his best interest to stick with somebody like Reynosa because Reynosa knows where he's deficient at. And Reynosa is going to be one to, you know, make sure that he continues to work on those things to maximize his ability. I don't see that with Goose. And the last thing I'm going to say is this, and, and this is not necessarily even pertaining to those guys, but just thinking about those trainers that of yesteryear, like those greats. See, that's what the sport is, is, is starting to, you know, lose as far as when you look at the skill level of guys, like once these guys begin to start dying off. And um, I was, I talked to a buddy of mine um, the other day and we were having this conversation just about things in general, right? Where you have um, some people can like learn from somebody who's really talented and then they may be able to branch off and begin to do the work of that person but then it's very difficult to get the same from the person who learned from the original person so you can clone like the person the originator but it's hard to clone the clone and so now we're starting to see that in boxing where it's starting to be more watered down because you don't get that tutelage from a Eddie Futch, from a Georgie Benton. And hopefully Ryan Garcia doesn't run that risk now and thinking that he's better than what he is because he's not getting one of those guys. Like he's getting somebody who's kind of a knockoff of one of the better trainers. Now, Goosen has a name, you know, he, he, uh, has like you can consider him even a legend in the sport of boxing but as far as his skill of being able to like make a fighter better than what he is in terms of skill and technique and things like that that's not what he's a legend for and so you know hopefully it works out for the kid i like ryan i hope he gets it together because he really had the game on lock after january 2nd of last year you know, his impressive victory over Luke Campbell looked like he was going to take on all comers, you know, guys like Tank Davis, Devin Haney, you know, so on and so forth. But for him now, you know, the spiral in this direction where there's so many fights that he was supposed to have and they didn't happen for whatever reason. And then now he's switching trainers and then he has this opponent that nobody knows of. It's just getting real murky. It's getting real spooky right now to see the direction that he's going to go. But, you know, I, I still root for him. You have anything else when it comes to that topic? No, sir. So we have a, a middleweight bout next week. Um, we have Jaime Mugia. He's going against Dimitri Ballard. Uh, I, this might be for the WBO 160-pound title. I'm not sure. I have to research that. But what are your thoughts on that, uh, Will? How do you see this fight going? This is going to be the maybe the quickest prediction I ever made, man. Um, so Jaime Aguirre, 25 years old, six feet, 30, oh, 30 KOs out of Tijuana. Um, he's gonna be facing, like you said, Demetrius Ballard, six foot, 25 years old. Uh, he is, they call him Big Meech, 20, oh, 13 KOs, 74 inch reach. And he's from around the corner, Temple Hills, Maryland. So. When you look at the skills of both guys, you know, Jaime McGee at his best, you know, that man is, is vicious. You know, he's a thumper, you know, wrecking ball, offensive machine. He just, the one 
thing that he lacks is head movement, but he's starting to get it together. I like what I saw in his last fight against Gabe uh, Rosado. You know, he, he didn't let the Wiley veteran um, take advantage of those deficiencies that he had. As a matter of fact, he looked better, you know what I mean, as far as not being as vulnerable as he looked previously. So I like the traje trajectory that he's, you know, moving into in terms of honing his skill. Now, Demetrius Ballard, he uh, last fought against Paul Venezuela. Very interesting matchup. Paul Venezuela, if you haven't taken a look at that fight, you can just take a look at the highlights. Paul Venezuela is an interesting character, man. <laughs> the guy throws punches from all, from every angle that you possibly can throw punches from. He even, if they play a little bit of music in between rounds, he does a little salsa or whatever, you know, so very interesting guy. You know, in that fight, uh, they gave it to Demetrius Ballard. Close fight. You know, I think he probably did win the fight. Um, but what I noticed with him is he reminds me of a middleweight version of Joe Joyce. Very slow. <laughs> it's slow. And, but the thing is, he minus the, the, the iron chin. So saying all that to say, even before I get to this prediction, he was coming in in his last fight after two-year layoff. They were supposed to fight before um, McGee and Ballard, but somehow I think uh, Ballard ended up getting injured, and so the fight didn't take place. He got a victory in his last one. But again, before that, he had a draw. Then he had the 10-round uh, decision victory against Venezuela. So in this fight, I'm just thinking, man, this is not going to end uh, well for Ballard. I would be surprised if this goes past five. I just think that Munguia is just too offensively gifted for him, and he hits too hard. He hits people too often, and Ballard is just too slow. So my prediction for this one is going to be Munguia in less than five. Yeah, this fight, um, and it's interesting because I, I want to like Ballard, you know. Uh, he's trained by Barry Hunter. You know, he's a local talent. Um, some people that, that, that I talk to about boxing actually have heard of him. They know him and stuff like that. So I want to root for him and I, and I probably will still root for him, but like you said, it's hard to see him winning this fight. Um, he gets in these exchanges, um, and he gets caught in these exchanges and he, and, and as you said, he's, he's a little slow, but he throws these wild punches too. And he doesn't really have to, it's almost like he, when he has the opportunity to box, he doesn't box. He, he starts throwing shots and getting caught in these, these crazy exchanges. And even though he's durable, he's only durable against a certain level. Like, you brought up his, his, his last fight. Um, yeah, he was getting caught in some even exchanges in that fight where, where you know, if, he, if this was a harder puncher like a Munguia, I mean, he would, he would have been badly hurt. So I can't see someone like Munguia who likes to exchange a lot and is going to throw a lot of punches. And he's a, you know, a heavy handed puncher. Uh, I, I think he's going to take his toad on Ballard. And I, I, I kind of see the same thing. He's going to, he's going to stop Ballard in, in about five rounds. Yeah. I, I, I can't see it uh, in an ending in any other way. Uh, anything else you got there before we wrap things up? No, sir. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit more fluid than we typically have when it's just me and you. You know what I'm saying? I know in the past when we've done these shows, 
I felt like at the end, it's like you feel like you actually been in a 12 round fight, a 15 round fight. <laughs> so I thought I, I really appreciate the conversation, man. And it, it, it went really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So on that note, uh, we're going to go ahead and close things out. Enjoy your week. Peace. All right, peace. <laughs>